Hello, everyone, and welcome to this episode of the Best Pictures Podcast. I'm Ian, and this is Maggie. And on this very special, highly anticipated episode, we have brought on the host of our favorite sister podcast, Cinemusts, Mike. Hey, Mike, how's it going? I am great. How are you guys? We're good. And so excited to talk about this one. Me too. So, Mike, do you want to uh, just give us the quick, quick rundown of uh, Cinemusts? Cinemusts, the... Uh, believe it's not the right word, the podcast inherently on hiatus, but soon to be coming back with some episodes this summer. Our gist is we are taking movies from the book, A Thousand and One Movies You Must See Before You Die. We analyze them, we talk about if we think they're must-sees, and at the end of the show, we turn it over to the audience to give the ultimate vote on if the movie makes the list of essential cinema or not. And um, we've had some good ones in the barrel that you guys have helped get into that field of essential cinema, movies like To Kill a Mockingbird, uh, The Philadelphia Story, Amelie. And uh, like I said, we're on a little bit of a hiatus right now, but we should have some episodes dropping here in a couple weeks. Awesome. So, Mike, we're super pumped to have you on for this Raiders of the Lost Ark episode. I know uh, we've been mentioning it for a long time and we're finally making it happen. Yeah, so this episode um, is going to be a little bit different from our normal episodes. Anyone who follows us on Twitter may know that I, at least, was very angry while doing Chariots of Fire because I found out that Raiders of the Lost Ark had been a nominee that year, and the whole time I was watching Chariots of Fire, all I could think about was I could be watching Raiders of the Lost Ark right now. So I was like, we have to do a special episode on this. We have to get Mike in because it's, I believe, your favorite movie, right? Yep. Number one all-time favorite movie. So we're basically just going to, instead of walking through the movie like we usually do, because you should all just go watch Raiders right now, even if you've seen it a hundred times, it is just as delightful the hundred and first. Um, we're just going to go down the list of things that Chariots of Fire won or was nominated for, and we're going to explain why Raiders of the Lost Ark is better in that category. So first one, let's go with Best Director. Both Chariots and Raiders was actually nominated for this award. Uh, Neither of them ended up taking it, but I think we can still talk about how Raiders was superior in that category. I'll kick in because I, to prep for this episode, watched all five Best Picture nominees from 1981. So I actually also watched Reds, which did win Best Director for Warren Beatty. Reds is fine. It's a big, epic romance. It's kind of a gutsy movie for like a corporate Hollywood system to make about like the birth of socialism and the Communist Party in America. Reds is just a big old bloated mess though it doesn't seem like there's a lot of direction in it it kind of just seems like warren Beatty won because it was a passion project that he pulled through the muck to get onto the screen and it's a big long movie so he deserves credit for his work but i i look at you know best director and i think like a vision is a part of it but also like how did the director pull it all together and raiders is perfect there's not a, there's not a wasted moment it's lean it's confident everything still seems planned out it's a specific vision but everything about it flows so perfectly and it's you know spielberg really never stood a chance of winning this one which raiders didn't stand a chance of winning most things but i just i say if like you're going to give it to somebody who pulled like a gigantic production together that had a unique vision that made something that blew people away I mean, Raiders checks off every single one of those boxes. 
I'd agree. And even comparing it to like Chariots of Fire, I know one of our big grievances with Chariots of Fire was that it seemed like there was no direction for the actors either. It seemed like performances were inconsistent. And I consider that like a big part of a director is knowing how to work with your actors and kind of get the best performances out of them. And when you look at like Karen Allen and Harrison Ford's performances, you're like, oh, you have a director here who knew exactly how to like capture them and like give them the tools that they needed to shine. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I think especially the direction um, like given to Karen Allen in many of these scenes, like I think you could have had her character reduced to a bunch of stereotypes. Um, But because of the way that, you know, I I think this is kind of also bleeding into her performance, but like she's able to bring levels to it, um, especially with some of the more like urgent Uh, dare I say shrill, probably shouldn't use that word, like urgent moments compared to some of her more, um, I guess, savvy uh, sort of ways she tries to get her out of different situations. So I I think it's probably a combination of both the directing uh, chops and her performance. And just the consistency throughout the film, like you were mentioning, Mike, like it, it's clearly cohesive, like all the elements are working together. Like you can tell that somebody actually sat down and like planned this film out. And um I can't speak to Reds, but at least with Chariots, half the time I was like, did somebody just give up halfway through this? (laughs) Like, what happened? So you've just sparked something like in Chariots of Fire, the person who gives, I feel, the best performance is Ian Holm. He has like a couple of moments of like, that's a performance. But you guys saying that has kind of made me realize, but that doesn't necessarily make you feel like he got good direction that kind of was more like well that's Ian Holm he already knows how to act so he probably just made all those decisions on his own because listening I tried to listen to the director's commentary for Chariots of Fire as well a lot of it is just talking about the location scouting it's very boring it's more boring than the actual movie if you can believe it oh god and like considering like thinking of that in contrast to I know there's like some sort of clip that someone put together showing it's the scene where Marcus is like talking to Indy in um, Indy's house and like talking about uh, the arc and like, are you going to go after it? And the way the camera is blocked and the actors are blocked around that scene. I've seen a clip that has that with like Spielberg and the cinematographers like layout of how the camera is going to track it just makes you appreciate like how the entire scene was put together and like the thought behind it. So I think the scene in Nepal too really demonstrates that, that vision for how that's going to go. And I couldn't agree more with you, Maggie, but like, especially the focus on that red hot poker and how they're able to keep it so constantly in frame and keep that suspense going. Um, Again, really, really just belies this grander vision um, that you all keep mentioning. And I don't want to bring it up now because I want to talk about it when we get to cinematography, but there's another shot in the Nepal section that makes an Oscar Raiders lost really like unforgivable to me. So remind me when we get to cinematography, there's another Nepal shot. Oh, I'm planning on basically just talking about the Nepal scene when we get to cinematography. Yes. <laughs> so yes. don't worry. Next, let's go through another category that uh, Chariots was nominated for but did not end up winning. And that was Best Supporting Actor. So Ian Holm was actually nominated for that category. And he plays 
for anyone who doesn't remember, Sam Musabini, who I believe was the trainer in Chariots of Fire. And of all the people to be nominated and win, I feel like he did. He didn't win. He was nominated. Oh, right, right, right. Sorry. Of all the people to be nominated from that movie, I would have picked him. Agreed. For sure. Because I, I did actually really like his performance in that, especially in kind of towards the end where he's like kind of sulking in his room as his protege is out running. So like th- there was kind of an emotional depth there that I, I did appreciate. But I'm curious if it's just because I wasn't getting anything from anyone else that I think he was so good. It's that. Yeah. And I agree with Mike is that it's just like there's a couple moments where you're like, oh, somebody acted and that was nice. But it's not <laughs> co- like it's not consistent. And yeah, like I just it's not super consistent. Um, that being said, what supporting performance, I'm going to say, I guess, specifically supporting actor, since that's the category we're talking about, do you think someone in Raiders should have been nominated for? Because I think there's a couple contenders. For me, I don't know if I feel strongly enough like it's a crime. None of them got nominated because so many of the characters in Raiders fit into you know character archetypes from like adventure movies and they and they do it really well. Um I mean, if I ran the show, I'd love to give John Reese Davis one for Sala because Sala is like my favorite movie sidekick and Belloc is also really good. He's not the best movie villain, but he's despicable enough. He holds his own against Harrison Ford, so it wouldn't hurt my feelings if they got some nominations thrown their way. Yeah, I agree. I think this is maybe the category where we have like the least amount of argument. I love John Reese davies as Sala as well. I kind of want to put in a plug for Wolf Collar, who plays Colonel Dietrich. He's really good. He's really good, and he's so wonderfully creepy. And I still think maybe the funniest visual gag in cinema ever is The Hanger where he walks into the tent with Belloc and Marion and he pulls out what you think is like nunchucks or some sort of like torture something and then quickly does it into a hanger to hang his coat on. So so real quick, I'm not flexing. I just want to make sure you, you'd mentioned Colonel Dietrich, but are you because mine would my Nazi nom would go to Ronald Lacey as Major Tote. Am I thinking of the wrong person? Are you are you thinking you're thinking of hanger guy with the black hat and really yeah. creepy voice? Yeah, that's Major Tote, who is Dang awesome it. and gets so many of the good lines. I was kind of rolling with it though, because Dietrich does have like a really good moment towards the end when they're on secret submarine island and he's talking to Belloc about how he's very uncomfortable with the idea of performing this Jewish ritual. And that's a moment that does ground the movie, I feel, that it's not all just like super fun and the good guys beating up the bad guys. Like it grounds the movie back in this ideology of like, oh, these guys really are despicable. Like this is a real world ideology that... Harrison Ford is fighting. It's not just good guy beat up bad guys. Yeah, and I do think he he poses kind of this more menacing threat in some ways and is a good foil to Belloc, who is clearly in things for extremely selfish reasons. Mm-hmm. But yes, Ronald Lacey was was who I meant. Ian, do you have a, a character? Uh, yes, but I, I it's all been said. <laughs> I think if I had to pick just one of them, I, I would really go for Belloc. And again, I think it comes down to the way that he changes over the film and the way that he kind of shows, like brings uh, like a human aspect to that character. And part of that was kind of like on the U-boat and the way that he, to some extent, like 
treated Marion, uh, which I know that we have some uh, like undertones of that being nefarious, but in comparison to the the other Nazi guy that she was going to go with. And I think that he was able to really show that and not just be kind of a uh, like a nagging gnat on uh, Harrison Ford, <laughs> if that makes I sense. I do. I like the speech and I like uh, Paul Freeman's delivery of this speech when he's basically saying to Andy, like, we're very similar. Like, you are one step away from being me. Yeah. And he has, like, that delivery was great, but he also has the best zingers. And (laughs) I just love how shady he is. It's like, once again, what was once yours is now mine. (laughs) Yeah. And the scene with, like, him and Karen Allen in the tent having, like, the drink off, uh, they're both fantastic in that scene. I love, because we know Marion can out drink Mm -hmm. anybody. So I love that moment where he's like, or she's like, what is this stuff? And he's like, oh, I grew up with this. And the look on her face of just like, well, shit. <laughs> <laughs> like, I may have found my match. All right. If there's nothing else on Best Supporting Actor, let's go down to a nomination um, for Chariots that was actually a win for Raiders. And that was Best Film Editing. I think it's a pretty easy easy argument there i think it's very clear why raiders won i i yes like i'm i'm not even sure what to say other than just the way that raiders was constructed added to the like action aspect of it made sure it was snappy made sure the comic like the comedic notes hit at the right time i really got none of that from chariots of fire not that i was expecting comedy but you know they could have played it up maybe a little bit i I don't think I even noticed the editing in Chariots. Like, I don't know if it was like actively bad per se, but like it definitely wasn't something I noticed. Whereas like in Raiders, I noticed the beats where I'm like, oh, that was a brilliant place to cut. Like Sala explaining about the arc being put on this truck and then the cut to like the truck pulling out and like the motorcade going um, is the one I always think about. I... In high school, I did a paper on like our editing unit. We were supposed to pick a movie that had won best editing and you had to like pick a scene. And I chose the truck chase to analyze. And it's it's really good. Again, like what you guys are talking about, the way that editing in Raiders builds the pacing because with the truck chase, it can make some pretty, I don't want to call them rudimentary stunts, but like it's a safety thing obviously so like they have to cut in the right place to make it seem like there's momentum but it does that well but also i think it wins in the slower moments in like building tension the whole opening sequence in south america there's a lot of like really long shots that play out like it's not very flashy and it only gets quicker once the trap's gone off and the darts are going down and indy's got to jump across the chasm so even the editing like builds the pacing it builds how you're supposed to feel about how the story structure is moving forward like through and through it's not just the action beats it's really amazingly edited yeah and that that actually made me think of the map room scene as well and and the way that they're able to build that suspense um like through the editing in particular i mean it is definitely helped along by the soundtrack and the shot composition and all that fun stuff but the long shots there again, build that suspense that I I just love. That's honestly one of my favorite scenes in the movie. So um, 
Well, and then cutting between that and like the Nazis finding Sala and us getting to see him like taken away. And then we're like, well, where's Sala? Like, are they going to get Indy? And then choosing to have the flag rope that Sala has put back together, like have, showing that in the map room before we see that Sala's okay, I think is like a great choice of editing as well. And to, I feel like this podcast is like equal parts for me to gush about Raiders, but also bag on Jerry and Sapphire, which I hate so <laughs> it much. It is for us as well. I, I really don't like it. I'm with you guys. Um, like the cross cutting across the board is is great. It's coherent in Raiders. I like there there are races in chariots like I it's cross cut with like speeches they're making like I'm specifically thinking of the one where he's is it uh, Liddell is in church and he's quoting like that you know run and not be weary thing from the Bible and it's like cross cut with a race I have no idea in slow motion yes I would like in to slow motion <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I have no idea who's running that race or why it matters. Like, I, there's no coherency there. Like, I don't understand, like, what the juxtaposition of those two things together does or why it's supposed to matter that the guy apparently lost. Like, I have no idea what's going on, but in Raiders, it's always coherent. It's great. You understand why they're matched together. It keeps things moving. It keeps things entertaining. Agreed. And I, I want to talk more about the fight scenes because the fight scenes in Raiders are fantastic fantastic yeah and i that's so much to do with the editing and yeah let's contrast that with what should be the action sequences in chariots of fire which are races done almost completely in (laughs) slow-mo and as i said on that episode the whole point of racing is to see someone go fast why slow-mo totally agree with you and honestly the fact that we watched the final race like eight times was so excessive (laughs) we know that they won i just it's ridiculous whereas you have the great well you have the fight on the plane which is great with the way it cuts between indy fighting on the plane and marion stuck in the plane and then the uh cans of gasoline that we see or we see the gas slowly going towards the fire so they're never dropping any element of the tension in that scene for us the way they kind of dip into the explanation of the truck to give you like a little bit of a breather and then immediately cut into the great uh, truck motorcade fight. Uh, Even the one like in the square when Marion gets kidnapped, like where they're choosing to cut between like her and Andy. And then also you just have like, I know this really isn't editing, but the iconic guy with the sword doing all the like sword tricks and then Andy just pulls out his gun and shoots him because he's he's just tired (laughs) (laughs) that's my favorite visual gag ever it's so good and so maggie i think that actually plays into one of the main reasons why i really like raiders so much better and it's that there are real stakes both within an individual scene and in the larger context of the story so like you mentioned the fire coming toward the airplane Okay, there's a time limit. In the very opening sequence, there is a time limit as Indy is trying to escape this temple. Like, and the way that they cut between the doors, not so slowly lowering, and him trying to get up with this really flimsy vine, uh, like, you're on the edge of your seat. Yeah, which is the editing, but also, this is a good way to transition into screenplay. Can, so I, can I do one of... more thing on editing? Oh, yeah, of course. I'm so sorry, but I want to back up a what you said about like chariots like bread and butter should be like 
running being fast and interesting. If And I was trying to make excuses for it when I watched it this weekend and say, like, I think what they're trying to go for is, like, the slow motion running is, like, showing the grace of, like, the athletic human body and... I'd say it fails, but what shows off more grace than these immaculately choreographed fist fights and sword fights and stunts like Raiders adhering to so-called like basic action tenets does what Chariots of Fire set out to do in showcasing like what the human body's capable of so much better with quick cuts and regular shot pacing than Chariots could with its like lofty ideals of Olympic greatness. Agreed. Absolutely agreed. I would also like to point out that Raiders does have a little bit of slow-mo, but they use it correctly. And that is when you have the date that we know is poisoned is flipping in the air. Yeah. So they're using it again to build tension. Whereas in Chariots of Fire, I was like, I'm just watching people run really, really slowly. And I already know who won. <laughs> but yeah, let's transition into screenplay. Speaking of stakes. Um, so Chariots of Fire actually won for best original screenplay. I don't know how. Because I think that screenplay completely lacks focus. It's telling like are trying to tell two stories that theoretically should come together but actually never do in any sort of meaningful way. There's no stakes. Like, the closest you get to stakes is Little saying, like, I'm not going to run on a Sunday. And then everyone's like, okay. And this one guy's like, I'll switch races with you. Like, there, it's resolved so quickly. And I'm also like, I don't know why, like, I care like why should i care about this why do the characters care about this like what is their motivation in raiders it is so clear who our main characters are it is so clear what they're trying to keep from happening and like why they want to keep that from happening it is clear why marion goes with indy even though they have like this bad history like, I've never for a second doubted why people were doing the things they were doing in Raiders, except for the one part where even though it's a beautiful shot of Indy, like taking off his disguise in front of the sunset and like putting on his Indiana Jones hat in silhouette, I was still like, you're really close to the Nazi dig and like, they're gonna see you. That was the only <laughs> time I ever questioned him. Well, Maggie, he's an archaeologist, not not a spy. So like, we'll we'll give him that. Well, and the flip side of screenwriting, so I, I think plotting is, is great in Raiders and cause and effect is played out. Like, everything happens because actions the characters take force a turn of events. Like, it's not just a series of, like, and then this happened, and then this happened, and this happened. It's that, like, screenwriting rule of, like, this happened, and so, and therefore, and because of that, like, everything is influenced by what came before it, which doesn't really happen at all in Chariots. But also even just the dialogue. Like, can you can it's you guys name, so like, great. a good, like, a, a memorable line of dialogue from Chariots of Fire? No. Does the theme music count? No. <laughs> no. We'll get to that. We'll get there. We'll get there. We but will like, get to that. Raiders has all the, it's, it's not the years, it's the mileage. Snakes, why did it have to be snakes? The, all these speeches, like, I, I would... Yes, like chariots won for some of these like big speeches that they made or something, but in terms of 
how the plot is put together, how the stories are woven, and what comes out of anybody's mouth. Like, Chariots is wholly unremarkable, and I think Raiders got absolutely no love because it wasn't even nominated, right, Maggie? Uh, yeah, it was not nominated at all, and I think it 100% should have been because the... There's so many beautiful one-liners. Yeah, and, and I think, like, its lack of a nomination comes from, like, well, it's just a simple adventure story, and it's not, I guess, literary enough, but it's so much better on every level than half of the screenplays nominated in that category. Agreed. I think I think it doesn't get the kudos. You're right, because it wasn't, like, a prestige picture. They're like, well, you're not writing a story about like some real event or some like, I was about to say like more philosophical concept, but I would argue that Indiana Jones actually does get pretty philosophical because it is tied so closely to the arc and like how different people view it and want to use it for power. But like also like the pacing, like that's a writing thing. You have so many characters in Raiders that are introduced at different times, but like every supporting character, even the guy who drives the plane, like he's memorable and he's just in the opening sequence for like a couple minutes at most. Yet somehow I remember he has a pet snake. (laughs) I don't even remember the name of the main character from Chariots who wasn't Little. Yeah, I'm not going to lie, Mike, when you whipped out the name Little, I was like, wait, which character again? <laughs> this, by, by the way, like all of this is because I watched it literally last night. Like it has been less than 24 hours. It's the only reason I can remember this stuff because so much of that movie. It's just forgettable. Like as I was watching it last night, it was like the first time because, yeah, it's it's an artistic in air quotes movie. And that's, you know, back to the screenplay. I don't think it gets love because it is a technically proficient screenplay like it tells a good story it has good characters but it seems very nuts and bolts and i think academy voters were like well it doesn't have that artistic flourish but here we are 40 years on and all the lines from raiders and the story is what sticks with people and nobody can possibly remember anything that happens in chariots of fire or what is said i i could not quote a single line and by the way, how did that happen that this movie about like sassy college, like how are there no quippy one-liners or anything that stuck out from Chariots if that's the setting? Like how is there literally nothing? Because the characters are terrible and they're so <laughs> boring. It's a very serious movie with very serious themes, Mike. I, I don't think you understand. <laughs> it's, a, in my opinion, the most boring sport you could have a sports movie about. Like the training montages, it's just running because that's all running is. Yeah. So I was a runner. Like that was my sport through high school. I could not agree more. And even back then when like I was in the midst of it and like, wow, a a movie about the sport I like that won best picture. And it was so dull and terrible. And I was like... (laughs) Not the sport to make this about, guys. Like, they're really on to something with this whole boxing obsession and baseball and basketball, all of those, so much better. So I am curious to, like, slightly change tack here. If Indiana Jones kind of suffers from being under the halo of um, kind of like this sci-fi fantasy-ish realm, especially with George Lucas's involvement, because I know, like, 
it feels like... I mean, those are two very underrepresented genres in Academy Award Best Picture winners and nominees. Yeah, so I like I just worry that kind of all of this is adding up to it being completely, you know, cast aside, which it ar- arguably was. I also just have a theory that like the Academy Awards, with a few exceptions, like they just don't really like fun. Like it's very hard for a movie that you would describe as like just really fun to win. That's like the feeling I got looking over the list is, to be honest, I can't believe Spielberg even got a director nomination because it seems to me like Raiders just getting a nomination is like the Academy saying, like, you're welcome. Like, we liked it enough to give it a nomination, so be grateful. Um, but, like, it's totally that. It's it's not prestigious enough. It doesn't tackle the weighty themes that they want a winner to have. It doesn't feature, you know, capital A acting. So, like, it's it wins in technical awards, and then it should just get some nominations in big things, and the Academy should be like, there you go. Agreed. I mean, I personally really, really, you know, we're what? How many episodes in? This was, like, we're more than 50 four episodes in of course but this was the 54th winner and like or this was this would have been the year of the 54th academy awards and like boy i i wish there had been more just fun movies along the way yeah we had come off a really rough string of films in the 70s <laughs> so. I, the 80s has not been that much like we had ordinary people terms of endearment which i cried three times during watching it recording it and editing it (laughs) yeah it's weighty films win a lot i'll leave it at that okay next let's do hmm. let's talk about score we already alluded to it let's go into it chariots of fire one score now chariots of fire does have a very memorable score it is very slow which again not what running is about, so I don't quite get it. But um, Raiders was nominated for score. I'm assuming we all agree Raiders 100% should have won for score. 100% agreed. Raiders should have won for score and just best original song for you humming the score to yourself all the time because it's so... I, so I get why Chariots won because like... It's memorable. It was kind of like a new style for the 80s. And John Williams already had two Oscars under his belt. He was going to win a third one the next year. Not that they knew that. So I I think this was more like that, you know, playing the numbers. Like John Williams has two. This guy, Vangelis, gave us, or Vangelis, sorry, he gave us something unique. Let's give it to Chariots of Fire. So this one like burns me, but I, the reasoning behind it, makes more sense it doesn't just seem solely motivated by like raiders can't win that it's an action movie i'm sorry though but when you're the best you're the best like (laughs) and this i think is one of if not my absolute favorite john williams score like it hits the perfect note every single time it is eerie in all the right moments you have indiana's theme you also have kind of like the love theme of him and Marion, and then it always cuts out in the right points too. There's one in specifically, or one specifically I'm thinking of that I need to find in my notes. So you guys talk about your love of the score while I look that up. Oh yes, I, I 
echo every single point that you make. And there's even an arc theme, if you've noticed, as well. But, mm-hmm. like... And it's wonderfully creepy. I love that there's so a forebodingness good. to the arc theme. Like, it's not just, like, a pure theme of awe. It's, like, this artifact is scary like we are dealing with an old testament artifact and those are terrifying yes and i think for me too to go back to that map room scene the way that the score swells with every single emotional high in that scene it is just one perfect little example of what it does throughout the entire entire film And I think in contrast, Chariots of Fire, they have the one theme song that everybody knows. And then the only other time that I really remember the score coming in was before the final races where I thought it hit the worst notes. Like it was creepy and foreboding and just like not the right mood for these people psyching themselves up to go run their Olympic races. So I I think everything that John Williams did right, Vangelis didn't, which I feel kind of harsh saying, but I'll, I stand by it. It's like Vangelis's score is a good score on its own, but it doesn't seem right for the movie. I think it fits like what they wanted out of the movie, but the, the thing is, like you were saying, Maggie, what Chariots of Fire kind of wants seems at odds with what would work, because what Chariots of Fire seems to want is to bask in the the honor and the nobility of competing and of manly athletic brotherhood and the score kind of fills into that but what you're saying is what it should really be focusing on is like the heat of competition and it should be faster it should be like more intense but it doesn't do that it wants to slow down to be like it almost seems like they wanted this to get like co-opted by the olympics to become like their side (laughs) theme Oh, can you imagine watching like the 100 meter sprint to that oh. soundtrack? And it's on a slow-mo delay too. Actually, that would be interesting because the music would be like, I can't even hum it, um, but it would be like the first <laughs> two beats and the race would be over. <laughs> um, I found the the note I was thinking about and it's whenever um, Indy ruins a sweet moment between him and Marion. So when he thought that she was dead and then he finds her like in that tent... And like the their theme swells, and then when he decides that he's not going to rescue her <laughs> because they're really close to finding the ark, the theme just like cuts off. When Marion's like, "Wait, hang on!" Like you're not rescuing me. What's happening? And then again, when they're on the boat and Indy's being grumpy and being like, "Everything hurts except for like my elbow and my temple and my lips." And there's like a sweet moment between the two of them. The score like swells and then Andy falls asleep or pretends he falls asleep <laughs> and it just drops. I think he legitimately falls asleep. I think after everything he's been through, he just can't stay conscious one second longer. <laughs> Probably. But I love that you have the score like really like committing to the joke as well. I mean, and not to bag on Van Gillis because he's done some stuff I like, but you know, it's the difference between the best John Williams and anybody else. Yeah. I mean, like I, my favorite composer for like movie scores is I actually really love Max Steiner, but like, I have to admit John Williams, more iconic movie scores than Max Steiner as much as I love him. Yeah. John Williams, he'll have you humming it. Most other composers like, yeah, you got to watch him with the movie, but John Williams stuff will go out there into the world with you. So true. 
So the next one, I think, may have been the only award that Chariots got that Ian, in our episode, we said, I could see that. And that is best costume design. Now, do we think Uh, Raiders is actually better? Yes, and here's why. I... When, so when I first heard that on your guys' show, I thought, like, why would you win costume design for, like, designing athletic uniforms? And then I watched the movie and said, okay, it's it's a period piece. They're wearing, like, period-appropriate stuff. I could see that. Isn't that exactly what Raiders is doing, but with costume designs that belong to specific characters? Nobody else can wear a leather jacket and a fedora and a whip and, like act like they aren't completely ripping off raiders like costumes in this movie belong to these characters for all time so i i just don't really get how they could give it to chariots when raiders is doing the same thing on such a more iconic level i was gonna say after like looking at this list again i was like yeah no it goes to raiders because they're iconic and then i think the best example is no one dresses up like little and what's his name for Halloween. People dress up like Indian Marion all the time because they're iconic looks. Yes. And and to like even go further with all of their, their costumes, I think they're functional in a way that I didn't really see in chariots. So between the disguises or the way that they set off Marion in a scene, specifically the one right before the baskets in those red pants where it's very clear who she's there or the way that they kind of set off Belloc and uh, Tote. Like it's very clear who these characters are because of that. And there's like this deeper meaning that chariots failed to capture. Yeah. Even, the, to go back to the scene you guys mentioned earlier in the the bar where Belloc is given the speech about their shadowy reflections of each other, like the costuming tells that story that Indiana Jones is the rugged, torn up, beat up shirt and Belloc has the nice suit and the hat and he doesn't like to get his hands dirty. Like it's even telling story and character through the costume design. Well, and there's even such a difference between how Indiana Jones the archaeologist dresses and Indiana Jones the professor dresses. Speaking of which, oh, I forgot to do this. I was going to try and write love you on my eyelids because <laughs> when we were watching that, I was like, that would have taken so much dedication. I was like, did did she have a friend to do that? Or did she have to sit there in the mirror and write it backwards? I want to see how hard it would have been. And I forgot to do that. I'll do that later. Report back in. Did you forget or were you just like, this is too much work? No, I 100% (laughs) forgot um, because I told my roommate to remind me to do that. And we both forgot. So it's fine. Like I said, I'll do it later and I'll like take a picture for the Instagram. It looks really hard, but totally worth it to catch the eye of 80s Harrison Ford. Agreed. Absolutely agreed. He's like the perfect casting. I know there aren't really any like acting nominees that we're going through other than supporting actor, but like he's the perfect like person for Indiana Jones. Karen Allen is the perfect person for Marion. Like every every casting choice is like the perfect choice in that movie. So, fun fact, did you know that Tom Selleck was originally supposed to be Indiana Jones? <laughs> I am not surprised, and I can see it, but 
Harrison Ford is Indiana Jones. Yeah, I, I just cannot imagine him in that. Not not Harrison Ford, but Tom Selleck. I cannot imagine him in this role because it is is so... Really? It belongs so much to, to Harrison Ford. Okay, I thought you were just going to be like, I don't see Tom Selleck as like action hero-y. And I was like, we got to watch Quigley Down Under. Oh, no, no, no. Harrison <laughs> Ford just like took that and was like, this is all mine and no one else's ever again. <laughs> Agreed. All right, so... I want to save Best Picture for last. So let's go through some things that Raiders was nominated for or won that Chariots was not in contention for. And I think the one we're probably all most excited to talk about is Cinematography. So Raiders did not win for Cinematography. Let's see. Who was it? It was Reds. It was Reds. Which I have things to say, but... Go, go right ahead. Reds is a hideous movie, and it's boring its shots are and, and i looked this up apparently warren Beatty had a con, he was contentious with his director of photography they had completely different ideas on how to use the camera in it and they wound up making a compromise where warren Beatty got to use like his static shots in the beginning and as the movie went along they would move the camera more it's unbearable to watch and the color palettes are hideous there's some cool shots in like meeting halls and stuff but it's a it's a dull movie and i think when you've got like an epic that is going to play out this romance against this epic backdrop of like political turmoil i think you got to make some visually interesting moves there you got to do things like gone with the wind does to make people actually want to watch it and reds does not do that you know what does take you on a globetrotting adventure and makes every single thing, no matter if it's an action sequence or a discussion between two people, look visually cool? Raiders of the Lost Ark. Even the scene where Marcus and Andy are explaining to like the two suits from Washington about like the Ark and kind of giving us that lore dump on the Ark, like even that scene is so dynamically shot, like you are in it. That's exactly the scene I was thinking of when I was thinking of comparing this to Reds because it's the same basic concept, but in Raiders, like, there's a slow dolly in, like, there's tracking, it's keeping things lively, like, it's, yeah, even in its most unassuming moments, Raiders cinematography is pulling so much heavier weight than its, like, trappings as a B-movie action fair seems like it should be doing. Like, they really... For me, one of the things I think that works really good about Raiders that other movies in the Indiana Jones franchise kind of lose sight of is it knows it's a fun movie. It's not trying to be like too pretentious. Um, it knows what it's influenced by, but it doesn't just satisfy itself being like the new updated version of like B-movie serials. It wants to elevate itself beyond that while still telling that kind of story. And cinematography is the biggest way I think it does that because there's so many good shots in Raiders that are meticulously planned out, which is surprising because I think like the rumor is that nothing ever got shot more than four times. I think they had like a rule that if you couldn't do it in four takes, like too bad, they were moving on. Whoa, that makes it even more impressive because it, it, like everybody is hitting their marks all the time. Camera I mean, I guess like, it included. tells you like how much planning and thought went into it too, I think. And I, we here on this podcast are a huge fan of good shadows and silhouettes. Raiders has tons of them. So we teased it earlier, but I think we should talk about cinematography and kind of fold this into 
um, an award that Raiders actually won, which was Best Art Direction, and just break down the Nepal scene. Awesome. So this is our introduction to Marion. We know that Indy's going to try and find Abner Ravenwood uh, to find that like medallion that he needs. I think it's the Staff of Ra, maybe, or something. Did I make that up? Nope. Awesome. And uh, we cut to this bar in Nepal. We have a drinking contest going on between Marion and somebody at least twice her size. And it's a very it's very claustrophobically shot while they're doing the competition. Um, you have everyone crowded in. They're placing bets. You have the the editing even like cutting in between Marion and the guy she's drinking against. And then once that like is over and she wins, we have the bar clear out and it kind of opens up into this just amazingly detailed and decorated set. It's probably too big for a bar in Nepal, but like it goes with our sweeping adventure. The lighting's amazing. The way that they're shooting her kind of lit by like the hearth and like various candles and kind of the low light, the way they're playing with like the light bouncing off the medallion um, is amazing. The way they're choosing to like go in on the medallion. So we know this is exactly what we're looking for. And then the shot of when Indy arrives that is her and the wall and then just the looming shadow of him in the doorway. That's the shot I was talking about earlier that I said I wanted to talk about. Because that shot also tells a story, like you said, Maggie, it's this gigantic shadow that like dwarves over her. It's this shadow from her past that's scarred her and basically landed her in this pit she's stuck in. But then the shot doesn't stop there. It's not just like, hey, cool, look at what we can do with shadows. Then with the blocking, Karen Allen turns around and comes forward until she's right up in the foreground and she's bigger than the shadow. She's not going to back down. She's not going to let this shadow from her past domineer her anymore. She's going to stand up to it and be bigger. None of that is said. It's all cinematography. But like it's done so beautifully and just the way it's working with the story and the performances and the score too coming in to like reinforce this idea i mean it's it's fantastic i also love in this scene when they introduce who i refer to as kind of like the big bad of uh tote and again the way that they have this low angle on the camera and make him seem super imposing they shoot him in close up a lot too so you're like right in his face uh which is very intimidating and in contrast to the way that um, Marion kind of moved toward the camera, we're backing away with the camera as he walks in, at least if I'm remembering it correctly. And and I love how that really shows that he is somebody to not be messed with. And then you have like the way the entire bar fight is shot too, like because of the lighting and stuff, like they're picking up the differences in like that glowing red hot poker that like he's threatening Marion with. And then when you have the fire running along the bar as well, like it's it a hundred percent catches your eye. And then everyone's fighting around this beautiful set design. Like they really utilize like the bar and all of the fighting that happens around there. And then even using it for comedic purposes, like when someone shoots the barrel of beer and Marion like takes a swig before she jumps into the fight herself such a good gag i that might be my favorite scene in the whole movie it's definitely up there for me 
And and I really appreciate how at the end, it, it's like you've had all of this chaos. And then at the end, you do get this kind of slower release of all of that, where Marion shoots the one uh, hench person in the back. One, I liked it because it introduced her character even more as somebody who was willing to like go the distance if she needed to. But also it was just like such a calm, calmer situation, even if they were about to like run out of a, a burning building. <laughs> well, and then you have the whole scene wrapping up with the shot of them in front of the bar that's just completely ablaze. And you have the I'm your new goddamn partner holding up the medallion. It's great. And then I think the other part uh, for cinematography that I really want to talk about is in the map room at Tannis with the way they have the light slowly coming down to the staff. I just I love the way that tracks. Yeah. And the camera movement mirrors all of this. And they're they're kind of like movement cutting between. So this is, again, getting into the editing a little bit, but they're cutting between this close up on Harrison Ford and you can see the sweat dripping down his face and he's illuminated by this super warm light that you're getting from from the map to the the cuts with the uh, lighting, like moving down the wall. Um, like you mentioned, Maggie, it's just so well constructed. And I don't know, is it like did is special effects in there anywhere, Maggie? Oh, yeah. It, uh it okay, won good. for best visual <laughs> effects. Yeah. Because holy shit, the like visual effects there at the very end when the light finally hits the spot. It's just like such a good feeling. Again, with the, the score swelling as well. It, uh, favorite point. And I, I like how that sequence also plays pretty slow. Like you were saying, Ian, with like this, the sweeping camera movements and the music is very elegant but haunting and the edit is like very long cuts. But it's a moment of like true awe. Like the the movie doesn't always have to be breakneck action. Like there are moments where it kind of slows down to lay down the import of what they're after here. This Old Testament relic and like these straight up supernatural means to locate it. And you get to relish in that just as much as, you know, a cool fist fight in a bar that's on fire. I think it's proof that like tension doesn't always have to equal action. Like sometimes it does, but sometimes just like knowing what the stake is and watching somebody have to like take the next step or just like process something can be just as rewarding tension wise as like watching a fight. So we already teased it a little bit. Let's move on into visual effects. How do you guys think it holds up? Oh, so well. And I think it's a testament to the practical effects that they like to use like even the uh, ghosts of the ark were apparently like little wisps of fabric in a water tank so like the movement is otherworldly but still like believable in some way so i'm i'm a sucker for practical effects but yeah i think they're they're very sparing in like using anything that isn't like i i want to say like a hundred percent physical you know like they're it's just moments and it kind of ramps up towards the end of the movie. I'm thinking specifically about like the stuff they do with the arc and anything like surrounding finding the arc. Like it, the supernatural elements kind of in the background for a lot of it, I feel like. And then they sort of start kind of sprinkling in these instances of like the light flare in the map room and stuff to kind of ramp up to the opening of the arc at the end. So they're using the like 
those specific effects kind of sparingly to give you the idea that like, okay, so there is something here. Like there is something to worry about. And even like, like all the stuff that they optically print, like the storm coming in when the well of souls is getting uncovered, it, it looks a little disjointed, but it still looks like classical and like old fashioned. Like it kind of fits this type of movie that's, you know, takes place in the forties and is kind of a callback to adventure movies of the forties. So even like it's visual effects, even though they're like revolutionary and award-winning, like they seem classical at the same time. Like they don't age so much, even when they don't look seamless. Mm-hmm. But I do, I, I love that, that that is a nod to kind of the, it's film roots as it were. Cause even in that arc scene, which I think I, I missed the boat to talk about it in the um, cinematography piece, but the way that they filmed, um, Marion and Indy tied at the stake was so reminiscent of these like B movie sound stages. At least yeah. it, it looked that way to me. And so mm-hmm. it, having all of these nods just come together, it was a real treat. Like the really practical stuff, like the, the guy in the bar fight that Marion hits over the head with the flaming log that has like a spark charge in his hat. So it like sparks off when she hits him is really funny and to have worked on like the pyrotechnic crew of this movie seems like it would have been a blast because it's another one of those great movies where everything blows up as soon as it like gets tipped over on its side. <laughs> yes. Oh my gosh. I feel like if you worked on like the pyrotechnics on this one, I don't know how you could like topped it. I feel like every job after that is like a little bit of a letdown. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, oh God, there's one visual effect I wanted to talk about. But I can't remember what it was. Was it the death or the deaths of the Nazi Oh, leaders. we should talk about that. The face melting. The iconic face melting. It is iconic. I love it because it's so reminiscent of those like old school horror movies. Like it, it, this is a pretty like violent and in some ways bloody film, but I feel like they lean into the camp of it just enough to where like it's not unsettling, especially considering that PG-13 didn't exist yet as far as ratings went. So like this had to be PG. Yeah, I've heard that they actually had to tone down um, Belloc's head explosion so it wouldn't get an R rating. <laughs> Fancy that. It's it's kind of crazy to me sometimes that this movie is like such a revered like family classic because it, it is unbelievably violent. Like every single action scene has some moment of really bloody, horrific violence, but it is like all in the name of fun and... Most of it is happening to Nazis, which there's not a whole lot in movies that you're not allowed to do to a Nazi, and it goes over the line, you know? Like, they deserve whatever is coming to them. Yeah, so true. Yeah, it is like... the. I mean, it's the perfect... Like, they're the perfect villain for so many reasons for this story, but, like, it really does kind of give them license in the script to have your heroes, like, kind of rack up a body count. I, I'm trying to remember when the first time I saw this movie was and whether or not the face melting terrified me. I'm wondering if I closed my eyes because I know I know for a fact that I saw Star Wars very young and I was very afraid of Darth Vader and Darth Vader does not melt anyone's face. <laughs> he chokes a couple people. He chokes a couple people, but there's no face melting. So I'm tr- I'm trying to remember if I was terrified of this one or maybe after my dad showed me star wars he was like we'll hold off a couple years on indiana jones 
I remember it both terrified and fascinated me. Because it was at the same time, like, how did they do that? <laughs> yeah. Ian, when, when did you see this? Were you an adult when you saw this for the first time? No, I was a child, but I... Unlike my brother, who can watch a movie once and quote it in its entirety, I don't remember when I first saw this. I think I was probably in the high single digits, maybe low double digits. I feel like I feel like that's a good age, yeah, to see this for the first time. Um, do you guys think if you were in Marion and Indy's place, could you keep your eyes shut? Hundred percent. Yeah, I'm a big old no straighty cat. Yeah. I think I could, but I think I'd be tempted when the priest guy is like, oh my God, it's so beautiful. I think I'd be tempted to open my eyes. So maybe I like open them and then I hear the first scream and I'm like, no, we close them again. Because I feel like you might have like a smidgen of a second where you can be like, oh, nope, changed my mind. I'm not sure that how that's how that works, Maggie. I feel like you, you take one step and it's game over. Well, you guys will know when you open your eyes and my face is melted <laughs> off. So. <laughs> Okay, so the last two that I think we're going to cover before we hit Best Picture are, we'll kind of lump these together, but Best Sound and Best Sound Editing, which Raiders did win. I mean, is there anything better than like the sound of the whip cracking? Or the sound of a Nazi getting run over. A Nazi's face melting (laughs) or getting run over. (laughs) I, I love that shot, too, because it's so clearly the guy is much more in the foreground than yeah. the truck, and his, like, wiggle is a little delayed, but I love it. But that's that's what's great, too, by virtue of this movie not having to take itself so seriously is, like, it can do things like that, and it's not, like, parodying, like, it's not trying to be overly silly, but it's, like, it doesn't matter that he's obviously not there, like, it's fun. There is nothing worse than a movie that takes itself too seriously. Chariots of Fire. Chariots of Fire. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know that there's any sound better than the whip cracking, but there are two other sounds I feel the Indiana Jones franchise has perfected. I think it's sound effect for a gunshot and a human face getting punched are spot on. Yeah, they're really good. And both of those things happen a lot in this movie. Yeah. I like it's this is a weird thing to say, but like I get a sense of elation out of like the way machine guns sound in this movie. Like I can just hear that sequence, like when he runs out in the middle of the street when they're packing Marion in the truck and they just like open fire on him. And there's something really satisfying and like tension building about it. Um, Ben Burt is amazing. I, I agree with you, Mike. It's got that like meaty mid-low range that like hits you in the chest like it should if that makes sense yeah it's like you're getting shot at yeah but thankfully not <laughs> yeah I, was gonna say, I said that like i enjoyed like i go out every saturday night like hey guys shoot at me i just watch indiana jones and i'm good yeah i can't i can't think of like any i'm trying to think of like all the other sounds in the movie and i can't think of any that missed the mark along with like with the sound editing too like they're all placed perfectly. You even get the sounds of like the ghosts coming out of the ark. And when like Sala and Indy are like lifting the ark, like it sounds heavy. Oh, not to mention all the snakes. I, ooh, yeah. I can't believe I haven't mentioned the snakes no. yet. I don't like snakes, which my mom blames on my love of this movie. 
And I've explained to her that it's because they move weird and I don't like it. <laughs> I, I've had that same like internal debate my whole life, Maggie. I, I do not like snakes, but I have no idea if it's because I just inherently find them creepy or if it's because I just love this movie and that's how I chose to imprint on this movie character that I idolize is like, he doesn't like snakes, so I don't like him either. I have no idea. It's a chicken and egg situation for me at this point. Yeah, I've decided that it it's it's my own dislike of snakes, but it does make me feel like a kindred spirit with this character, which when I was a kid, I feel like this is the case with a lot of people who loved Indiana Jones when they were younger. I 100% wanted to be an archaeologist, and then my dad was like, it's not like Indiana Jones. Also, you hate snakes. And I was like, we're going to pick a different career then. Although now that I think about it, what archaeology really is, I'm like, mm, just like chilling and like, using a little brush to like wipe some dirt away. Like that seems like a chill, yeah. like a chill day. Yeah. Until it's in that. the desert at 120 yeah, degrees with no shade. I'll pick, <laughs> I'll pick a, like a, an ancient cultural specialty that like isn't located in a desert. <laughs> I also hate the cold though. I man, I, never mind. I can't be an archaeologist. <laughs> so shall we go for it? The big one? Best picture. So I think we've explained why in all of these categories, Raiders is superior. But is there any other category or any just like secret to the special sauce that you think Raiders has that makes it definitely best picture over chariots, but also like best picture for that year? I I know I can't speak to best picture for the year like Mike can, but... I feel like I'm this going is a QED anyway, so situation. Well. <laughs> okay, well, I'll, I'll try to like bullshit my way through it if I can. But I feel like this is a QED situation where like we have made the case already that it should have won all of the awards it was nominated for. And the whole is better than the sum of the parts, like for sure. The number of times we talked about how all of the different components complemented them like each other in a scene to heighten the whole experience, like is a perfect example. The like map room scene such a cohesive vision and execution of that like it's expert so my i'll i'll cover like best pictures for the year but i kind of want to just echo what you just said ian because my my like go-to defense of why this is my favorite movie of all time even though it's like a very unassuming straight action movie that doesn't have tons of thematic depth or isn't overly artistic like for me, that's why it's been my favorite for so long because it isn't overly pretentious. It is upset. It is um, what's the word occupied with knowing what kind of movie it is and doing that well. And every single element of filmmaking comes together to make it a masterpiece, even though it's not about something like super heavy that speaks to the human condition. Um, so I think it's just this immaculate combination of all those parts that make up an even greater whole but but i mean even just to speak to these oscars and i if you guys want i'll, I'll give you a real quick rundown of all five yes yeah, please totally. okay and and these are all just my personal opinions these are not reflective of the best pictures podcast as a whole this is just my weekend with the best picture nominees of 81 first thing raiders in atlantic city are the only movies that are even that good reds on golden pond and chariots of fire are varying degrees of bad 
Reds, I can make a case for, like, Reds is just super long, and like I've said, I find the cinematography really unbearable. The performances are really good. It's about, you know, it's, it's thematic material is, is good. Um, On Golden Pond is entertaining and watchable. Like, it's fun to watch Henry Fonda and Catherine Hepburn, but, like, it's screenplay, which it won for, is a mess of, like, contrived plotting and setups that go absolutely nowhere, a la the other screenplay winner, Chariots of Fire, which we've talked about how bad that is. So, if to you me, need more details on how bad that is, just go listen to that whole episode. <laughs> it was a really good episode, you guys. So, Atlantic City, you know, if, if one of the quote unquote artsy pictures was going to win over Raiders, I'd really prefer it was Atlantic City because I really liked it. It also is a, a movie that has a little more thematic depth, but it doesn't seem overly pretentious. Like, it's a small little movie. It's the kind of movie where, like, there's eight main characters and everything just revolves around how they interact with each other. The performances aren't over the top, but they're good. So I really, really liked Atlantic City, but Raiders just has that rewatchability factor to it. Everything about it is exciting, engaging. Like, I can't... I've been trying to think, and maybe you guys can help me with this, what were, like, the big action movies before it was Raiders of the Lost Ark. Like, I've come up with, like, Star Wars, I'd say, counts. I don't... Jaws seems more horror. This That's tough, because are we talking, like, kind of that more, like, fantasy action, or are we going grittier? Because, like, Rocky would be one, but it's a completely different tone. Yeah. I, I would say probably, like, the adventure aspect more. Like, things like Gunga Din... And you know westerns and things that kind of focus more on like yeah. the fist fights and gunfights. Maybe Robin Robin Hood back in the thirties. Yeah, but does Ben Hur count? <laughs> no S- scenes of Ben Hur. No, yeah, Ben Hur does not count. Do not. But I, I mean, the the point I'm making is like, I can't imagine what it was like to be back in 1981 and see Raiders for the first time, and like walking out of the theater, you would have to have clearly thought like that is a new era for action movies. Like there is a completely new bar that all other exciting, any movie that wants to be exciting or adventurous, like has the highest bar to pass over now because this movie is truly revolutionary. And I think we've just lived with it so long and it's a movie most of us come to as kids. Like, I don't know that we appreciate that as much that in terms of giving this awards kudos, I do think Raiders really did set a bar and really was something special that hadn't been done before that was worthy of artistic kudos. I This may be a little bit of a controversial statement. I don't think that the Oscars are the best at awarding new things. Like, I I don't think they always award, like, something that was a little bit out of the box, um, I think they like to think that they do sometimes, but I think, you know, in in the long run, like there are certain just themes and topics that are like they're Oscar bait to a certain extent. And I know that's a little bit of a controversial term, but yeah, I think when when you have Raiders coming in with what I think would be my argument for like, this is the extra something it has over certainly chariots of fire and likely other winners is the delight factor. Like it is just so delightful 
you're never bored during it. Like you genuinely laugh the first time you watch it before you know any like how it's going to end. Like you're genuinely tense. And I, I think it just captures like, like this is when and I often like if I'm watching a movie for our podcast, I'll like ask my roommate if she wants to watch it too. For a lot of the ones, especially the downers we've had lately, she's like, I'm good. <laughs> but Raiders was one where I was like, oh, I'm going to let you know like a couple days in advance, like when I'm planning on watching Raiders, we'll order in pizza, like we'll have a good time. And then she even like one up to that and was like, well, we should just have a marathon of like the original trilogy. So I think like it's got that factor of like you want to watch it. You want to watch it with people people because it's just pure fun and i worry kind of in this vein of thinking about how the academy thinks about these films is that popular things can't be good <laughs> yeah in some it, in some respects so I, i'm a hundred percent with you about delightful films n- not generally making it but i guess my only counterpoint to that is like we did get tom jones <laughs> We did get Tom Jones, which was pure delight. But but we still talk about that one so much because it was so rare. And I remember when we watched that one, you and I were both just like, "Thank God!" Like, it was a breath of fresh air, and like we got to laugh exactly. And like I I feel they felt they were getting that with Chariots of Fire. Like it, most of the word from that era about Chariots was like it. It was this inspirational, uplifting, and. Oh, I've forgotten her name that presented best best picture. It you guys should look it up on YouTube. It is the like most groan-worthy speech about movies are finding ways to speak to people without sullying themselves with gore and risque material and it was like clearly making this point like against Raiders, Reds, and Atlantic City. She was basically like, I hope Chariots of Fire or On Golden Pond wins because it's a return to wholesome movie making. And Raiders is a violent movie, but I find it inspirational. I find it uplifting. I find it brings people together. It's a classic, the bad guys lose and the good guys win. Also, she was in for a rude awakening because they were about to hit heyday 80s with like Rambo and Die Hard, (laughs) Terminator, like, ooh. I just looked back at uh, Chariots of Fire because I remembered that the uh, writer had been like specifically wanting a certain story. And he was apparently looking for a story in the mold of a man for all seasons where someone like follows their conscience like no matter the consequences. And I'm just going to say stakes in a man for all seasons and stakes in Chariots of Fire. Very, very different. No one in Chariots of Fire is on the opposite end of the issue. I'm sorry to keep going. I really liked your guys' episode so much, but like that big, he's standing up to like the Prince of England or whatever and saying he's not going to run on Sunday. None of those guys are like even that against him. No, one guy offers to switch races. Yeah. He's like, I'm good. I won a medal. There, there's like no sense that these guys are like, but you can't do that. Like the, the empire for the glory of Mother England. Like nobody is on the other side of any issue in that movie's so-called tension. And it's like the lowest stakes issue either. Like in A Man for All Seasons, it's like, you're going to say that this thing is wrong and you're, if like you're going to die for it. In Chariots of Fire, it's like, you might not get to run. And there's five other guys that are really fast, just like you. Yeah, it's like, it's the lowest stakes ever. That's really why I didn't like that movie, is because I had no reason to watch it. 
and by that I mean no stakes. Like I didn't care. I think I hate I hated the characters, and I didn't care if they won or not. Think about this, Ian. Though you didn't even know that Raiders would have potentially in another reality been the movie you were watching. I had to watch that low stakes movie the entire time, knowing that it could have been Raiders. I appreciate you sparing <laughs> me that knowledge. <laughs> I specifically told Ian not to look up what else was nominated that year. It was not a great year. And it could have been so good. Which which to me, like, and that's, I apologize if I have seen, like, overly acidic or, like, toxic fan base. Like, really wasn't my intention. I really, I really just love Raiders that much, and I really hate Chariots of Fire that much. And... I, I tweeted this to you guys when you did that great thread about like somebody give us something positive about Chariots of Fire and everybody was like the credits. No one could. No one could. I was like, somebody will say one positive thing. Every single person was like the end. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but like, I, you know, like we've, we've gone over and over like this is Raiders is not an Oscar type movie like it getting nominated is what we should be grateful for. But it, it just burns me that much more that like my favorite movie that got nominated for best picture and best director and all these other awards like was beaten by what I consider to be one of the absolute worst movies that ever won best picture. It's not like 1950 where you're like, Oh, should Gloria Swanson have won or like Judy holiday or, um, Betty David. Like it's not, it's not even something where you're like, Oh, this lost to a really good film. You're like this lost to one of the worst. Like, like I was saying, when I gave the rundown of all five, like there was really only one other movie in that running that I liked. And neither of those two stood any shot at all. Like on Oscar night, it was, is it going to be chariots of fire or is it going to be reds? And I didn't like either of those movies. So uh, theoretical question here. If uh, Chariots of Fire were to go up against the Broadway melody of 1929, which do you think Ooh. would win? I would I would rather watch the Broadway melody of 1929 again. <laughs> it is shorter. It is the cinematography, I think, is actually better sometimes. And it's just more it's like more fun to make fun of. That's, oh, that's terrible. But it's like you can I feel like you can actually have a pretty good time watching that film. Whereas like Chariots of Fire, like the whole time I was just like, this isn't fun. Like there's like, it's not even, I know we've been ragging on it. It's not even that fun to rag on. Yeah. It's just infuriating. Because nobody likes it. That's the thing is like, there's no crosstalk here. And and, like, I hope there, I hope there's somewhere out there, somebody out there listening that like really loves Chariots of Fire and like could come back with some crosstalk, but I have never in my life met that person. Same. I tried to find that person. <laughs> At least in our our little Twitter community, they don't exist. But yeah, I think we we knew what this one was going to be going in, and that is just that. Gosh, it would have been amazing if Raiders had won instead. Yeah. Well, you said it great in your guys' episode on Chariots of Fire that okay, no, not enough Oscar love for Raiders, but time. Time, time always sorts out like the true classics and Raiders, like you've mentioned, is on American Film Institute's top 100 list. It's one of the most revered and beloved movies of all time. It's quotable. People know the characters. People know the dialogue. People dress up like the characters for Halloween. Like it didn't get swept by the wayside. And that's I, I like that question you asked really early on, Ian, of like, are we blinded by like just it's an adventure sci-fi fantasy movie and 
we have blinders for that. But, you know, we've talked about like people also appreciate just what a good movie it is that you can point at any of these categories, any of these elements of filmmaking and watch true professionals excelling at their craft in this simple little treasure hunt movie. And not to get on a tangent too much, but this reminds me a lot of The Mummy for a variety of reasons. But another arguably like, quote, lowbrow movie that is a delight and actually really well done. Yeah, mm-hmm, absolutely. And which uh, very, a very similar vibe to very adventure. I know we could continue talking about just how much we love Raiders for another hour. But I think we'll wrap it up here again, though. And I think I said this in the Chariots of Fire episode, and I know I said it over Twitter. If there is anyone out there, anyone listening, who has an argument for Chariots wins in any of the categories we've mentioned on this episode over Raiders, like genuinely would love to hear your arguments. You may have a viewpoint that we just don't have or have like picked up on something that we missed. Um, Would love to have that dialogue. So you can find us on Twitter or Instagram. We are at Best Pictures Pod on both. Definitely follow us on Twitter. Sometimes I get mad while watching a movie and I just tweet out stuff, which is always an entertaining (laughs) time. And then I promise to do special episodes without consulting Ian. If you want uh, to email us, then we are at Best Pictures Pod or not at Best Pictures Pod. We are Best Pictures Podcast at gmail.com. Rate, subscribe, review. Definitely go check out Mike's podcast, Cinemists. Ian and I have guested and we've always had a great time. And Mike, I know you said you're on a little bit of a hiatus right now, but there is a great back catalog that you can go listen to. And Ian, what are we doing next time? So next time we finally are getting to the delight that I hear Amadeus is. This is the one Mm. that when I was like, what's the movie we should be excited about for the 80s? People were like Amadeus, which I've never seen. And I'm so excited. Oh, you guys are gonna have so much fun. It's so good. Oh, I'm so glad to hear you say that, Mike, because we need, like, Terms of Endearment was good, but it wrecked us. We need something better, like, happier. You got a a good stretch here, but then you got to get to Out of Africa, right? Yeah, I've I've heard that one is hit or miss for people. Yeah, enjoy Amadeus. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you so much, Mike, for joining us. It has been a pleasure. Thank you guys so much. And just remind people where they can find you and Cinemusts. Uh, we're on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook. Just search for Cinemusts. And uh, if you want to email us in for any um, show suggestions or anything, we're at cinemusts at gmail.com. Awesome. Well, thank you all for listening. And definitely uh, reach out to us if you have a reason why Chariots of Fire is good. Any reason at all. Or if you just <laughs> want to talk about Raiders. We're always down for that, too. <laughs> <laughs>